Welcome to oh. Rebel <laughs> FM, episode 50. I'm Anthony Gallegos. With me is Tyler Barber. Hey! And Arthur Geese. Fucking Mass Effect book. What? It's like the coffee table book that no one, like, just leaves alone. Dude, the, I mean, the Mass it's Effect like a, concept art is so awesome. It's like a coffee table book people read. Yeah, yeah unlike our cat one. You read so. the coffee table cat book. Um, So will you talk about video games? When we're and, not busy uh, being pretentious. When we're not busy being pretentious. And talking about farts and pussies and dicks. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I hear. That's what I hear on the internet. In the car, we just talk about J.D. Salinger and dicks the whole time. We just <laughs> have to go back and forth. Um, so Man, We didn't talk about either of those things, and I totally wish we had. Yeah, that would have been I couldn't talk about J.D. Salinger. I'll be the first to say I don't know shit. Phonies. Yeah, I mean, Phonies. I'm not going to. I'm not going to front. Um... You never read Catcher in the Rye? I have not read Catcher in the Rye. Really? Wow. That was not one of those things that we got assigned in high school. That is you know, totally in a lot of classic book. literature. If it wasn't assigned to me in uh, high school or college, I didn't read it. Catcher yeah. in the Rye just goes by like that. Yeah, I read it after high school. I read it um, in college because, like you, I missed out on it. Yeah, but it's just not one of those things that I've ever thought to myself when I need like a book to read for fun. Like I'm going to pick up Catcher in the Rye. That is absolutely an Anthony book. I think that you would. Uh, relate to that character and not in the sort of cliched alienated teenager way i just think that you'd enjoy it huh well maybe Dude, I it's yeah maybe it still holds it up now. someone get uh, someone but gave now it i don't want to go to like, the store and buy it because well, people yeah, are gonna think I i'm just understand. going and buying it because jd Salinger died i mean oh, indirectly that is sort of why you'd be buying it i didn't even know this happened yeah he died when him and howard zinn and Zilber rubenstein week. all died last week damn i had yeah. no idea he was at least pretty old, right? He was like 87 or something. Something like that, yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, that's a good... Dude, I'm, ho- I'm hoping to make good. it 87. Like, don't let... Uh, you know, when people... A lot of times if something's overhyped, people will be like, ah, I'll never check it out. You know? I've done that before. Don't do that to Katrin, right? It's good, dude. It's quality. It's quality. The sad thing is it was him and Howard Zinn that died last week. Did you ever read People's History? No, I don't know what that. Uh, is. I never read that either. People's it's a history, famous of U.S. history book, United probably States. one of the most famous U.S. history books. Oh, because it basically says all of that shit is our lies. Yeah, like there's a pretty big movement among professional academics to to speak out against our history curriculum. Don't know much about history is another great U.S. history book that. Breaks it down into all this shit that was like, remember when they told you that? Totally not true. Right. Just remember, kids, the same school districts that determine that evolution should not be taught in schools are the same school districts that are determining U.S. history curriculum because they're the biggest textbook market. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the liberal propaganda cast. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, we're just right. here to talk to you about literature. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, let's talk about shooting things. Yeah, that's much better than reading. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I don't want to go first. I don't know. It feels weird to go first with show and tell. Are you kidding? You never go first, though. Yeah, I know. So go first, bitch. 
Um, I, I hear you've been playing what? some gam. I mean, mag. Yeah, I played, gam. <laughs> I played mag. I, I finally reviewed it. It's like a men's um, magazine from the 30s. You know, just to just to be totally upfront, I I my final clock time I think before I reviewed it was like nine hours, nine hours some odd things of multiplayer. And I had uh, a level. I believe I'm 18. Um, which is weird to me because I would see other people that were level 18 like me, but they had like 21 hours logged. And I'm wondering if it counted their beta time and then they reset and then it counted their time up till Weird. now. Because I don't understand how it could take you 21 hours to get to level 18 unless you suck really badly. Yeah. Even if you suck, you get enough experience just through playing that I feel like like maybe it would take you 21 hours if you just joined games and didn't do anything. Because I don't feel like I'm not like in the top squad every time or anything and I lose a lot. <laughs> so, so what'd you give it? I gave it. I gave it on GameSpy. I gave it three and a half, which is a good three and a half out of five. Why so low? Um, I mean, it's not a great game. It's fun, and I think it's like a total worthwhile purchase if like that idea of playing online like that totally appeals to you. And if you're like burnout on games that want to make you like the individual, like where you can be like the individual hero, like a Halo or a Call of Duty, where like one person can really sway a match. If you're obsessed with your KD ratio in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, this may not be the game for you. Yeah, it's like in this game, like, kill deaths, they hardly even matter. Like, I'm always looking at my overall score rather than my kill deaths, and a lot of times my overall score gets severely boosted when I am on the top, like, squads in that game. Like, that's the whole thing, is it doesn't even tell you top players, it'll always tell you top squads. Mm. Like, it gives credit to the, like, the top three people in a squad rather than the top dude. And it's like... For me, whenever I'm in that, it always comes down to the fact that it was because I healed a ton of people and kept, like, a front line moving, you know, and that's, like, the, where that game is great. Like, when that game is great, it's great because everyone's cooperating. Cooper- cooperating? Cooperating. I said it right the first time, cooperating, mm-hmm. but for some reason my brain farted naturally, and the front is just naturally moving forward, and you have a good squad commander that's issuing orders that are keeping your guys moving in a certain direction that makes logical sense. Because then when he's issuing those orders, you're getting additional experience, and the experience is good enough that it's pretty much double. Whatever you get the experience for, it doubles it. So it's like, it's 100% worth it, you know, in that game, because it's such an experience grind mm-hmm. to really go and follow what he has to do. Now, occasionally you get commanders that give you some, like, batshit insane order where it's like, we're about to lose the game if we lose this one point. And he'll be like, go repair the mortar battery because he wants to be able to call in mortar strikes, which he can only do when that thing's not busted. So he's like doing that out of his own selfish things, right? Because he wants to right. see a s- explosion or something, right? Because the calling him order things and stuff like that is a good way to rack up points. But they should uh, just take the kill death information out of that game and just make it all like how good a team player you are. Yeah, I mean, uh, it does have good rewards for healing and repairing, but it's true. There's nothing like there's no like continual bonus like plus one point for everything you do as long as you're within x meters of your squad leaders i mean well is there is there like a stat <laughs> to track oh well you like res this many guys or you like killed this many, yeah, many there, points of damage there are, per game there are awards like well, uh, no, i don't mean awards like stats that are tracked like kill death like oh uh, like you have healed this yeah, many people you, it tells you you can look at your overall stats of like guys healed throughout the course of your playtime, and uh there are medals that you get in the game like not trophies like medals in mag that when you look at a player's service record, it'll show you all the medals he's earned. And there are certain ones that are like specifically for resuscitating X amount of down players. And like they're hard to get. I mean, you gotta play for a long time. You know, it's like the top levels 
level 60. I have seen guys that are level 50 and stuff, but uh, the reason I played up to God where damn, I did before I reviewed it. Yeah. The reason I played as much as I did before I reviewed it was because I wanted to get to level 15 and be a squad commander, and I was. Being a squad commander is a, it's a lot of fun when you get to do it. You know, you have to... It is really cool the way that you can call in things like artillery and bombing runs, but, you know, if you're going to call in a bombing run, people do it just like, I have the ability to call a bombing run, and then they mash it, and then the bomber gets shot down by an AA gun. So it's, like, really cool. You have to be smart, like, take out that AA gun. Then you can issue bombing runs. Oh, stuff nice. Stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that, I, I think it's a really cool game. It's just that when it's, like, going well and co-op and everyone's cooperating, it's good. And then when it gets really bad at times, it gets really bad, and it just turns into, like, this epically large, messy Call of Duty deathmatch where people are just, like, trying to score a few last kills before they lose because they know they're going to lose no matter what they do. And so they're just trying to get kills for points. And it's like when it that happens for like your whole team, it's just like a mess. Yeah, that to me seems like it could be real problematic in that game where uh, you could have one team that's so far ahead. And, and, and you as an individual, there's only so much you feel that you can do yeah, to help your team because there's so I'm, many other players. It's true. Uh, I find that actually the games that have the most cooperation though are the 256 player ones, the biggest ones you can Weird. do. Just because you have to be at least level 8 to play. And I feel like people are there because they want mm-hmm. to like try and win because I mean they're the I mean it's harder to stand out in those big matches too, so you gotta is. figure that they're in it to win it as opposed to in it to say I pwned you noob. Yeah, because the matches can last like a half hour and if you do them right, you know, like if you're defending and you manage to last the whole half hour in those two hundred fifty six player matches, the amount of experience you get, you'll get like a whole level in one match. Like, if you really make it as a defensive team and you really cooperate, like, the opportunity for huge amounts of experience are there if you listen to your squad commander, you know? But, uh... Do you find that attackers typically succeed more often than defenders? Man, I feel like, so far, it seems like the faction sever, that one is, like, unstoppable in that game, and I don't understand why. Like, I play as Raven, which there are quite a few listeners who also, for some reason, picked Raven, and I kind of picked Raven arbitrarily. I didn't really wasn't like it spoke to me or something like that but uh the vast majority of people seem to pick sever for whatever reason and whenever we've played against those guys attacking and us defending on two and 56 like the guys i was playing with from gaff basically told me they've never seen them lose an attack on a 256 thing Hmm. and uh attacks and wins and losses in those determine who's defending on the next one so like because they keep successfully attacking like when we do it then we have to like take it from them or something, you know. Like it, it switches who has what. Like I mean, I think it's said that certain certain factions, like each faction, is a differing difficulty. Like, I mean, to hold things like I Raven looked, ha- is middle of the road or something. I looked and uh, like as far as weapons go, everyone has the same weapons, just reskinned. Like as far as their stats, but uh, that wouldn't surprise me because the maps aren't exactly the same. Like our defending map isn't the exact same defending map they get. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like, and I I've heard like people are like, how come our bases turrets don't seem to be able to shoot right out to there and theirs do? And it's like, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, uh, it might have some balance issues, but I I'm not totally sure about that. I, for a lot of it, it, just seemed like our team would just fall apart. That's the thing is like sometimes you get a team that's really good and organized and it's, and it sounds really cheesy but it actually is kind of funny when they're all talking military speak the whole time and stuff like roger we got two tangos blah 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 <laughs> but it actually when it happens well and everyone's actually like not making fun of it it is pretty fun when it's the role-playing server on mag yeah basically but it, that doesn't happen that often 
That being said, I think that the online community mag has so far been really awesome. Mm-hmm. Much better than, say, a shit-talking like Call of Duty thing. And again, yeah. I think that might just come from the fact that people, while invested in the faction that they are, aren't as invested in their personal stats as much to sit there and talk shit. So they are encouraging each other to like pick it up to make a victory because I think people, after playing mag for a little while, understand that one person will not win the battle no matter what. Like, I've never seen it come down to an individual's performance ever. Mm. So, because, I mean, no matter how good you are in Mac, you die pretty easy. So, even if you're, like, super good one guy, you're going to get killed if there's, like, six guys. Because even with the enhanced reload speed in Mac, it's nothing like in Call of Duty where you could reload super fast. I mean, it's a very, very different game. But Are you going to keep playing? I want to. I have other games I have to review, but I don't want mag to be that game that i like talk about how cool it is and then never touch again like i did with like uncharted or Killzone. so i'm so glad that you said both those things and i did not yeah <laughs> no i'll admit i i thought both of those multiplayers were great yeah it's just i kind of moved on from them and then didn't have friends to keep me coming back to it i just had zero interest in uncharted multiplayer <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's super fun the uncharted multiplayer the cooperative is to me the best one like i don't know like the horde mode mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, Mag, I want to keep coming back to it. I mean, I would like for that game not to die when Bad Company comes out, though that is a worry, a concern of mine, that that sort of team-based game will take away from Mag. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in some ways, Mag does a lot of things to me that sounds amazing. Like, this whole thing, like, oh, before I call in the airstrike, i got to make sure and take down their AA guns. Like, that's some Saving Private Ryan shit, you know? Like You, d- you do have to, like, in theory, the battlefield, like, the officer in charge should be talking to the platoon commander who should then be talking to the squad commanders and they should all be figuring out how the battlefield as a whole is going to progress. Mm -hmm. But I mean, and and to me that sounds awesome, but then at the same time, like I, I I can just automatically see sort of the problems you've said, you know, when you're, it would be awesome if you were in a huge clan. Yeah. It was like super organized against another huge, super organized clan, which I'm sure there already are forming. Right. I mean, I'm in the gaff clan and that's pretty big, but, um, but yeah, um, I cannot support this madness. The Gaff Clan, the reason I liked it was that once you're in the clan, you can jump into anybody's game, and jumping into other Gaff members' games was a lot easier than finding games. Like, it was even faster. So, I, but, uh... That's cool. And then, I mean, how much did you feel, like, once you got to a squad commander, how much do you feel like that sort of changed the play for you? I did like that it allowed me to give orders and set objectives. Like, that totally made me feel more important Mm -hmm. and that is like a certain sense of accomplishment that like you don't get the same feeling for instance when you unlock the ability to use like an airstrike in call of duty as you do is being able to actually issue orders that people then listen to because it gives addition you know being able to give people additional experience is like such a totally different feeling yeah i don't know or being able to call on artillery and stuff like that and actually see it falling yeah i mean to me that, that seems like a lot of uh i mean there's a lot of great potential there i mean you feel like you're I mean, you are giving orders to other live players, you know? Yeah, that being said, I still wish there was a way that people could vote you out of command and give it to someone else. Right, it almost seems like there needs to be something like that Meaning you wish there was some way that you could vote someone else out of command. Or me, if I'm doing a terrible job. But, like, there have been times that I've played with squad commanders, like I said, who are just, like, setting this fucked up objective, and then, like, no one's listening to them anyways, and they're not actually talking on the mic at all when people are asking them questions. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's probably not the best for the team. But. You, you you had a Lieutenant Dyke? 
Yeah, I just had a guy that was like, <laughs> was like, this guy's gonna get us all murdered. Someone needs to fucking just stop. We all stopped listening to him anyways. Yeah. But then once we stopped listening to him, everyone's just scattering and doing whatever. Fuck. They're all just getting, we're just losing. I'm like, this is horrible. You guys needed a Spears to come in. It's true. And glue and you together. There's no way to give away command or to <laughs> take command. I can't kill that guy to take command from him or anything. There's like nothing yeah. like that. There needs to be something. Something. But uh, you can't just pull out a gun and shoot the commander. That's what I was gonna say. It's like straight up like dual style. Like if I can take you, no, you I actually have shoot. to be level seventeen before you can do that. Yeah, I, I would be nice. I mean, yeah, something like that would be I awesome. Something that, to get rid of the terrible commanders that are there. Um, yeah, and then I also been playing Metro Twenty Thirty Three. Whoa, and you can talk about that now, right? Yeah, I don't know how much. I'm allowed to talk about as far as the game, but uh, I thought all <coughs> of what you played so far. Yeah, I played like the first three hours. Um, it's cool. You know, it's got a lot of the uh, the things that like when I when I would t- tell you like this is a game being developed in Ukraine by a studio. It's their first game, and they probably don't have a huge budget. So all those things that instantly pop into your mind that you might assume about that, like stalker things, are probably true. In the <laughs> right? Like, they're, they're they're using the, the Quake Two engine. <laughs> There are the a certain set good, of actually. like, you know, values that 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 one thinks of. When you... They have this engine that they made themselves, yeah. and it looks very much like an Unreal sort of engine. So the engine looks really good, actually. Um, I mean, it actually looks a lot like the Aurora engine, like the Fallout Three and Oblivion that's engine. That's true. Right? It actually looks a lot like that, actually, rather than. Um, but at the same time, it's like there are other things that they've paid less attention to or put less time into, like. Uh, the same like there's like 10 male characters throughout the game so even though you'll go in a city with like 100 people there's only ever going to be like 10 dudes so the dude in your squad who's like your best friend throughout the game then you might see him as a merchant later on you know so it's like they have a lot of snazzy hats to distinguish them from each other yeah you know it's russia so they got like the fur hat or no hat you know or or bandana (laughs) so all right guys that means we're up to 16 character models keep thinking of ideas so yeah i mean it's like you know, the, but it's like the, these are like those little things that because I know like the story of this game coming from the Ukraine being about like this Russian book that most people haven't even heard of yet. It's like, you know, all these things. I'm, I, it's like those are like the little things that in some ways in another game might annoy me. But in this way, I almost find them like strangely charming, even though it's I mean, it, it does take away, it does take you out of it a little bit when you're like, wait, why is my best friend selling me stuff now? Uh, yes, he has a different voice, not my best friend. <laughs> but uh at least they have different voices. Right? Yeah, I mean, the game does have a lot of actually really good voice acting. Yeah. But uh, that being said, I still think that, like, the, the the coolness of the game is that the environments really are, like, there's so much character to it. Like, I've uh, gone from being in one city, like a metro city, to being in another where the, this one is, like, completely controlled by, like, hardcore communists who are still fighting Nazis for some reason. There are Nazis in this game. Um, I don't know why, because the the game doesn't exactly make clear how how the world got fucked over. So I'm not quite which is sure. kind of cool. Um, yeah. actually, I mean somehow I think it was something nuclear, because uh, there's clearly like something what nuclear. Thank you. Um, I was just uh, channeling Bill uh, George W. Bush there for a second. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it makes it clear that something like nuclear warfare must have happened because there's still like in the way Stalker is, there's still like anomalies weird things that people can't explain and you still have to worry about your geiger counter there are still gases that will choke you to death but uh but yeah i'm not quite sure you know and and so a large part of the game is 
how you are finding out, for, you know, you've grown up the whole time in your metro, so now you're finding out that the rest of the world is like this fucked up place where there are communists who are still sending tons of people to die against uh, Nazis who are also having to worry about these anomalies and these tunnels and these other monsters that they might believe might next be, might be the next evolution of human. So is is twenty thirty three the year or the name of the metro? Twenty thirty three is the year that okay. it is. So it was like twenty thirteen when whatever happened to the world happened, and your family took you into the subway, and so you were like an infant. And so now it's like twenty years later. And is the story like are, are details about the story sort of slowly revealing themselves to you? Because like, um, that's what I'm kind of no. Thinking, I think like, the game's a lot longer than I think because they told me this is only like the first like like fourth of the game or something, and the demo hasn't even stopped. And like I said, I'm already like three hours into it, so you know that I think that uh, they will reveal certain things about the world, but I think that it's very much more a story of this boy and what he has to do, like to save his metro. Because uh, your journey into manhood. That's the whole thing. Is that. You're worried about these creatures, these dark ones that are like some people think are the next evolution of man, and you're convinced that if something doesn't happen to take care of them, they're either going to wipe out humans eventually because they can do these weird psychic attacks that your character is. So these aren't the weird like liquor mutant things that I've seen. Yeah, no, those are just like those are just mutants. Dark ones are very much more like aliens. Like they have they they're smart. They're not just like mindless monsters. And do they look like monsters? I think they look more like aliens, kind of like aliens alien no like like grays yeah like grays okay like without the domed heads but they still have the lanky bodies and stuff um but uh yeah and so and, albinos and yeah like albinos <laughs> shooting albinos and so okay but yeah and you're somehow partially this. immune to psychic attacks so you're somehow special but so the game does does deal with a lot of paranormal stuff like i've been in the tunnels and i was traveling around with this one guy and at one point we were having to watch out for like things in the metro in this one tunnel that would kill us that were just like psychic like memories of people who died on the day when shit went bad so there was like this train that would come and it would look like something out of ghostbusters just like two lights with like a very faint outline of a train that would come by and we'd have to like hug the wall that would be all it was there was like nothing no actual train there but if you get hit with they just don't get hurt or there'd be like workers like working in the tunnel and if they touched you it would hurt you so you just had to like avoid their shadows like these burnt shadows so I don't know. Whoa! It just it it gets pretty out there, but uh, supposedly the game goes in some really weird places. I've been told, but you know, it's just it's it's still very cool. I was having problems with ammo being a problem in the demo, but I've been told since then they've made the ammo a lot more abundant because before it was like worse than like hardcore survival horror. Like you were like, <laughs> I have three bullets. Fuck! So I better just save one for myself. <laughs> yeah, that game was super hardcore. Man, so, I mean, it's out fairly soon right yeah like i imagine you'll be reviewing that shit within the next three weeks uh yeah probably first or second week of march um uh, yeah i mean they're doing some hardcore balancing at this point that game's content complete mm. so i think what's crazy about this game is uh <coughs> the trailer the first trailer just came out in like december or something and it's already coming out yeah i don't know i mean uh i don't know if it was just that thq only picked it up in the last few months or what because I don't know if THQ is publishing it in Russia. It wouldn't surprise me if it was like 4C or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think that we're not this game's intended audience. You know, they're mm, like. I think you might be surprised. America, they're expecting it to sell, but I think they want it to sell. But I think the, the intended audience 
is Russia and Europe, where they where that that book has a lot of buzz for a long time now. So they're hoping because mm-hmm. I mean, apparently I've been told the book and the game are very closely related. Like with the exception of a few places where they leave the plot more open, that it basically follows the book, like page to page, you know. So. Hmm. And this is a really popular book in Russia. It's right super now. popular in Russia, and the author worked directly with the studio to make the game. So he's had a lot of direct input on how it goes and what the characters would be like. So that, I think that's it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think to Russia, this book is kind of like their Harry Potter, you know. So in Russia, they don't have like happy stories about a wizard becoming a man. And there, it's like fucked up world where nuclear shit has destroyed the world and soviets are fucking everything up that's like russia's mindset i guess fun times (laughs) so but yeah it it looks i still think that game is gonna be super promising i don't think it's gonna like win awards or anything like that i I feel a little bad for them because they're releasing it on probably the worst date they could have picked yeah it's like the same date god of war comes out yeah so but I, I mean, honestly, like the for the beginning of this year is just getting so crowded. I'm really just surprised they don't move it to like May or June. I mean, if they can keep it in stores, right? Then maybe people will pick it up later, especially if it reviews well enough. Maybe then down the line, people will be like, "Oh, this game got a lot of good reviews." I was kind of sitting on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I don't know. I hope so. I'd like to see another THQ original game do well. You know, that's from a new studio. I mean, they their earnings call today stated that they, they feel like they pretty much recovered from the state they were in. And they do own Vigil. Oh, uh, yeah. that's I was wrong about that. They did buy Vigil shortly after they were created. So. Um, anything else? Uh, those are the two big ones. I've also been playing uh, Bioshock 2, which I'll say at this point, but I can't talk about. So, should be able to t- talk about that. As of uh, next week. Yes. Yeah. Tyler. Fun. You guys are going to hate me right now. You've been playing You play nothing but Mass Effect? Nothing but Mass Effect. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but Mass Effect 2, dude. So, I haven't heard anything. How is that game? (laughs) Fuck. Uh, Well, well, I, you know, I have two characters going, uh, and so I finished it with my main character, who is like the evil woman. Yeah, she's like a renegade badass chick. The Terminator. Yeah, yeah, man, and uh, and I, you know, I immediately started up the game with my good character, and uh, you know, I won't go into any spoiler territories. Don't worry. What was your immediate impressions of the ending of that game? That it's put me in a place that no other video game has before in my life. It's a bold statement. Yep, and that place is, in video games, we're so much, my thinking is so much of, uh, I can solve this, I can get around this, I will make it out of this. Um, When I watched Saving Private Ryan for the first time, I was nervous the whole movie because you don't know when someone's just going to get shot, blown away, taken away. And I mean, they established that pretty quick when they just kill Vin Diesel. Yeah, Like exactly. Yeah, so stuff like that kept me anxious the whole time and so like that feeling and i've never had that in a game i've always felt like well if there's going to be a continue i can reset but here it's like oh shit clutch <laughs> the tower seal of approval dude eh okay and clutch <laughs> dude it's more than eh, okay i don't know man um and you know when uh when I heard a lot of people talking about how they made the shooting control so much better, I was just like, "What? You know, what does that even mean?" 
but it's like fuck dude you realize no dude the game controls like a shooter really really good I don't know so the more I hear people talk about this the more I'm like why am I gonna I'm just gonna move on to two like why do I wanna play one just I because of the way that your consequences from one unfold and I still feel I like you were you were approaching were before Benazzi anymore though you were approaching the point in that game where you start to to really have to make some some decisions the thing is is people tell me I'm pretty far in the game up to Benezia, but man I, I don't remember shit man up to Benezia. I thought I was like an hour in the game there's a lot there, there's the first Mass Effect has a really slow start and I remember doing a bunch of shit on the Citadel before yeah. I ever did anything else yeah a lot of stuff in the Citadel yeah a lot yeah. of talking people out of but, being mad at someone. And honestly, so. like, there is a lot of good in that game after where you there are. There is. It's just, you're just yeah. at the point where it's clear that, like, all the level design shit they were talking about at GDC last year, how they were like, look, like, stuff ballooned at the end of the cycle and nobody was checking in and no one was keeping a, keeping track of resource usage and that's why it performs so badly. Like, that part of the game is where it's the most obvious. Mm-hmm. And really, to me, the most significant thing about Mass Effect as far as, like, in its place with video game history is is how impactful it is that, like... Because I feel, I feel invested into my character, the, the female renegade. The, Your the, shepherd. Yeah, the, the male paragon I'm just kind of playing through. But this chick, I don't know, man, this might be blasphemy, but I feel like Bioware has given me the, chan- the chance to rewrite the Darth Vader origin story. And I and I don't mean like directly as in like I pretending that I'm Darth Vader or whatever. But to me, you know, in my you mind, you do a little bit though, right? As you play along, you're like, what would Darth Vader do here? Uh, you you're know, the hero that's paving his own path to hell. Exactly. You know, but but the thing is, is it's my path that I am making, though. I mean, that's what's so significant is is that like I actually have like an arc for my character that I'm thinking of, where it's like. I made a certain amount of good choices in the first game because my thought is like, well, you know, they wouldn't be completely bad at first. And then, like, this game is where I started to turn bad. And, like, the third one, I'm just going to be... You sound like such a goddamn D&D You're going to be the you most know? evil person of all time. Yeah, and and I'm I'm loving it. And, and you know, there, there are certain visual things with Mass Effect 2 that really played into that that I did not expect at all. And I'm like, this fits perfect. Like, I'm getting to recreate... Darth Vader in my mind, you know, by replacing Anakin with Shepard. I mean, that might sound really dumb, and I don't know, but that's just sort of how it has nothing to do with the story so much. It's just the way that you're making your way through that world. Exactly. Yeah, like you know, a a character arc. You know, going from one point to another. In this dark middle chapter. Yeah, and uh, so I mean, it's like I don't know. I've never felt so attached to uh, to a character or any uh, NPCs before or anything like that man this is like I've never felt nervous in a game like this we're gonna have to do that that Mass Effect spoiler cast at some point maybe we can try to do it this weekend yeah man and try I'm, to get I'm down, together dude, some I'm people. down to talk some details and somewhere that's not this apartment so Anthony doesn't have to listen yeah. to I it I can just sit in my room like last time right um. Well, is that it? That's really uh, no. no I I played one indie game. It's called Strangers. Uh, I found it on the independent game source. Uh, it's just like a um, it's it's like it's like a little platform shooter game. It's just real cool. There's these two guys made it in a. The cool thing about this is it has like a really funny angle on like humanity, 
Like you show up on this planet, and it's like a little planetoid, almost like it's like a, almost like a two D Mario Galaxy. I mean, you're not jumping from planets to planet, but in that you're on a ball that rotates. And so, like, you're shooting all these things, and you meet this big creature, and he's like, oh, you're so friendly, you killed all my children, you know, this and that. It's just supposed to be this crazy statement on a, I don't know, humanity, but it's got a really cool art style and fun little jetpack you can fly around with. It's a neat little game. I'm a fan of fun little jetpacks. I like jetpacks. Yeah, yeah. as soon as jetpack, I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, jetpack, and, and, and this one, I, I don't know if I was controlling it wrong, but I think it's cool because the jetpack's real limited, like, it just gives you a little boost, I think, so... But uh, I I didn't play it all the way through the end though so, but uh did play the, some of that so. Do you have anything else like lined up now that Mass Effect Two is partially done? Um, Although it sounds like you're just like diving headfirst back into it again. Right. Uh, you know I did sort of jump back into it <laughs> with my with my good guy. God damn it, Tyler! You're on a podcast. I know, you man. Need to mix it up. The game is so good though, dude. It's like. I yeah, I, I'm a little sad that I haven't had a chance to go back to it. Really? I to, to me, I'm thinking, like, man, how do people not have two characters? Don't look at me like that. How do? Why don't you have a? Why don't you have an evil character? That is a good question. Can you just not bring yourself to be like that big of a? Dick I mean, I started time? another character in Mass Effect Two, like right after I finished it, because I wanted to see how the game started without the first playthrough for the review. Um, and I did occasional dick move things, but I just like I don't have it in me to yeah, be full on renegade. And luckily, there's no like there's no achievement for playing full on renegade or full on paragon. Like in I this don't. Game. I don't think I could go play Bioshock as a dick. I don't think I could play because it's not as just a dick. a dick in Bioshock. You're a fucking little girl murderer. <laughs> well, you know, just I, I like even in my, yeah, I just I just don't know that I could. I just don't know. Even after I've seen the good ending, I'm like I. I'd rather just YouTube the bad ending. Right. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. <coughs> so, is that it? Yeah, that's it, man. Just Mass Effect. There is a lot of game there. There is a lot. How long was your playthrough? About 21 hours. Or right around there, 20-something. That's it? Really? Before 30. Hmm. I beat it before 30 hours. Huh. Didn't you beat it before 30 hours, too? No, my, my playthrough took about 39 hours, minus what I'd guess is like an hour and a half of pause time. Oh. I mean, there there were a lot of side missions I didn't do. Oh. That, but I'm, That's too know. bad, man. You're missing out. The side well, missions no, I, 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 Yeah, good. I went back and did a bunch. I've been doing them, and they're, they're fun. They're really good. Like, did, you, did you use Zaid at all? Uh, I, since I'm borrowing your copy, oh, I don't right. have... I can, um, I can give you a code for that. Oh really? Clutch yeah. because I have the uh, blood armor from Dragon Age, but I can't get it because I don't have the fucking Cerberus network. Because I'm borrowing it from you. Really? Yeah. It won't let me get the blood armor unless you have Cerberus. You guys are all speaking in alien language. Oh, just Dragon Age came with a free piece armor of armor token. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was armor that worked in Dragon Age, and then armor that worked in Mass Effect. Yeah, it was too. available for both. How does that make sense? It because wasn't like the same piece. Okay, of, I was gonna uh, say is it like the collector's the edition. Armor? The the collector's edition of Mass Effect Two I bought comes with a like the the main bad guys are are collectors. Like it said that over and over again. Blah blah blah. Collectors like you get collector armor and a collector energy rifle. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. You know, because that makes sense. Man, that that was one thing that did bum me about about Mass Effect is like I, I'm the type of gamer I do love to paper doll my avatars like. 
that's a pretty significant chunk is like going back and like fucking with all my colors like but i mean you could do that more in mass effect 2 than you could in mass effect 1 i agree yes you can but um my plate since i don't have cerberus and i don't have all that dlc stuff there's not very much armor you true but i mean i didn't play it with cerberus stuff either oh really any at all um yeah, you do find a healthy amount. I mean, I'll definitely agree And you can have, that. like, bright green armor if you yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. Or bright purple. Love it. Give me more paper doll options. <laughs> what do you want, fucking virtual Barbies in your Mass Effect? Uh, Don't answer that question. I, man, if I could design my own armor, I would. I'm sure a lot of people would. Yeah. And by a lot of people, I mean both of you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that leaves you. <laughs> uh, I've been playing a lot of Battlefield Bad Company 2. Oh, man. I'm avoiding that just because... Why? Because I'm, I know I'm going to play it when it comes out. I mean, already what's there is really good. Really? Is really good. Coming from you, you're not a big... No, I mean, like, I, I enjoyed 1943 just fine, but I was never, yeah. like, into it like the two of you were. Um, But Bad Company 2 definitely, like, just... The additions and the additional classes and, like, the... Just the vehicles and the emplacements just add so much to that game. Like, Have you chased anyone through a building by blowing shit up? Uh, no, usually I'm the one... Like, I'm... There, there are still <clears throat> the people that try to play the game like Modern Warfare 2 that try to mix it up just to, like, in the center and just try to take out dudes. Like, I'm the guy that circles around and bats clean up. Like, I will take out people that aren't paying attention, and I will be the guy that's hiding, waiting for that tank to roll through so that I can either fire RPGs at it or if I'm out of that, like, sneak up behind it and use my repair kit on it to destroy it, which <laughs> is awesome. Yeah. Um, could you do that in 1943? Uh, in, uh, I never tried. In Bad Company, if you used your repair kit on an enemy tank, it would take away from the health. Yeah, yeah. like, I've totally killed three or four tanks that way. Damn. Um or like it'll be sort of stalemated in the, in the uh, center, and I'll swoop around and and go into their building and take one of their emplacements and just start annihilating everyone up the middle of the map. Bad yeah. man. I it they just let me. They get. No, I mean that I makes got, like, sense. A 10 right? I mean, streak doing that until nice. finally someone came up behind me. Well, I play Battlefield exactly like Call of Duty. If it offers you all these other things to make yeah. it. A battlefield game it's just it's just so much more active and interesting than the fights in modern warfare 2 are like yeah that's what i loved about that you used the any first flying vehicles company. no i have not after the uh the experiences we had in uh in battlefield modern combat i have not touched a helicopter yeah, i'd be like arthur getting a helicopter <laughs> it would just crash yeah, i would just destroy us in like two seconds oh. um and i actually I am a helicopter nemesis now, too, because I've managed to learn how to shoot down helicopters with unguided RPGs. How do you do it? Very fucking carefully. Man, dude, that you was You wait like... until they slow down, and then you just aim ahead of them like you would a sniper rifle, except a lot more luck is involved, and I have totally, like... Like, I clipped its tail, and it went down and crashed into the ground, and it was, like, super gratifying. Damn, man. That, like, that's one one thing I'm real worried about, because I noticed they did a lot of things in two to make some of the vehicles more difficult to take out. And I always felt like the helicopter was overpowered in the first bad company. There's just so many emplacements all over the levels that take those really? out. And the like helicopter guided, guided mounted AT and stuff like that. Oh, and that's good because emplacements were really the only way I could take them down last time. They had big um, AA guns, but it's just like modern warfare two is only rewarding in a specific way, which is you kill other guys and you get points. 
and you kill other guys in different ways and you get points. And if it's search and destroy, then you plant the bomb or don't get killed and you get points and that's it. Whereas like there are so many different things that you do in bad company too that are rewarding. Like, Oh, I threw a med kit on the ground and someone picked it up. Well, I guess I get points for that. Or right. I am constantly bringing people back as a medic and that's giving me just as many points as What's a kill. What's the point would. of getting points? Uh, points rank you up. It has a ranking system just like Modern Warfare 2 does. Is it ranking in the sense that you unlock additional guns? And yeah, stuff? you do. You unlock okay. additional guns and gear. Yeah. Um, the first one was like that too. And, uh, and yeah, like as, a, as an engineer, I feel useful. Like, it, and I'm uh, even more suited to being a tank commander as an engineer because if it takes damage, I back it up, fix it, and get back in. Um, and just the way that the layout, the HUD is laid out, like, it's very clear, like, if you're a support class, what you need to be doing. Like, there will be, like, the little flat lines with a blip on them for someone that's downed that you can revive, mm. or a wrench symbol for someone, for a vehicle that you can repair. And in some ways, the HUD is, like, uh, a complete opposite from the HUD in Modern Warfare 2, where it got really, really cluttered in Modern Warfare 2. Whereas, from what I've seen, the HUD in Bad Company is clean. I love the design, very streamlined. Yeah. Is uh, this used peer-to-peer, or is this through EA servers? It's through EA yeah. servers. Yeah, I mean, they've come out and said that. Which, I mean, it has its pluses and minuses, as 1943 showed. Yeah. Um, but so far, just it's much more smooth than 1943 was to start off with, which is why I'm glad they're doing this demo. And it seems like there are a lot of people playing, and that... With the exception of the people who will just pick recon and stay far away and not really do anything, there are, most players seem to be working together towards the common goal, which is good. Um, but yeah, it's a hell of a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would, and a lot more than I did the first day. Um, but there's yeah, the first day you didn't seem too hot on it at no, all. No, there's a, there's a learning curve totally, and coming off Modern Warfare Two, that that curve probably seems more steep, but. I went from, like, a kill-death ratio of, like, 0.6 or 0.7 to having something like 2 to 1 now. How does it work when you're downed in that game, as far um, as being brought back? You're, like- you lay on the ground. You're, I mean, you might as well be dead. You're watching the guy that killed you for a while, and then there's a respawn screen, and then if someone sees you and zaps you with the defibrillator, you come back. Um, which still counts as a death and a kill, but the attackers only have a certain amount of respawns, uh, and that restores that respawn. Um, so far, my my only main complaint is that in the demo, um, there's just you're either in a long match or you're going to quit before it's over because it's always like or you join in the middle because mm. a match from start to finish, just like f- attacking or defending, is half an hour. Yeah, that's yeah. They are like, like, the, like the four different phases of yeah, it. Yeah, like the four different areas. It's like we lost those bases. Move back. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's a ton of fun and. I begrudgingly, I will be excited to buy it when it comes out next month. Yeah, see, I want to. I was thinking about trying to review it, but at the same time, it's like I don't want to play the single player. Like I really just want to play the multiplayer. Yeah, I you mean, know. maybe the single player will be all right. I, I don't mean, know. They, I haven't it seems like it. they're really putting. They've said that they're putting a lot of effort in the single player. Yeah, so we'll I mean, happens. it seems like they're going to try and right the wrongs of the past. You I'm know, s- I'm surprised that I'm the one that's into this because the two of you are the ones that oh, have had giant bad company oh, two oh, bonus. I will buy it day and date with you. Yeah, I will be I'm there. so stoked. We should pre-order a GameStop so we get the fucking squad rush mode. Before. Oh, yeah. What's that? It's, oh, a, it's a different dude. mode. There's a new mode, yeah. And yeah. basically, unless you pre-order a GameStop, you have to wait a month. It's another f- fucking army of two situation. I will yeah, not dude. pre-order a GameStop. Unless you're in the... unless you're, It's only in North America. Well, yeah. Everywhere else, like, they, everyone gets squad rush day one. 
That, and, that, and man, EA did that, you know, like you said, with Army of Two, the 40th day, man. EA, please stop doing this I was bullshit. wondering to myself, like, is anyone even playing Army of Two online now? Because like, no, after it, it came not. out, like, I heard nothing from anyone. But someone bought that on day one and couldn't access a part of the game. You know? Yeah. It's bullshit. Stop it. Yeah, I, I mean, the EA <laughs> has just been... Like fucking up over and over again with pretty much everything. Like it's a miracle that Mass Effect Two launched successfully, in my opinion. Yeah, that's right. I said it. EA, EA's entire advertising arm should be fired and replaced. Well, uh, <laughs> this like, is the like tugging at my collar. And I, I, I don't think that that's a particularly controversial statement. I mean. On it, ironically, the best ad campaign that EA has had in the last year has been the Army of Two ad campaign. I don't Which even, I don't like. Even. It's, it's it hasn't been like a bunch of spoiler filled trailers, although there's not really a ton of story to spoil in that game. Like, right. Okay. It's just been Salem and Rios doing stuff. Yeah. Like in various trailers, like yeah, Salem and Rios passed out at the airport. Yeah. Salem and Rios are GameStop employees for a day. You know, like stuff like that. Like that's funny and gets you interested in the characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, it seems like everything they tried to do with Mass Effect 2's videos was like, here are these characters that you will not like at all because they're extreme. <laughs> and none of those characters are like that. <laughs> none of them. Like, even. Uh, I won't finish that sentence. Because this is not the speak. Mass Effect 2 spoiler cast. But, like, they just portray everything so obnoxiously and so hardcore all the time that I think it's turning people off. And that segues into fucking Dante's Inferno. Which is a game that they just relentlessly previewed over and over and over again with bills that didn't look like the retail version and turned people off of it completely. Because they struggled with that game for so long, like getting the difficulty curve to where they wanted it and getting it cleaned up and and balancing it correctly. But That's a game that seems like they've spent an obscene amount of money trying to build up awareness for. Yeah. And it, it seems like the money that they're spending has interfered with the creative process where... In some regards, there's some really progressive stuff as far as the the combat in it um, is really good, and I will. I'm sure that I will get people who hate me. And you feel like it's progressive say, though, or is it just copying? No, I f- I feel like there's the sort of basic foundation of a character action game that God of War helped cement, which is that. I mean, you have weapons and you move around and you like try to control the battlefield and you can block or you can roll and it does all those things, but it, it, it does them more fluidly, I think, than God of War has. Um, and the upgrade mechanic is very specific, um, and plays into your actions throughout the rest of the game. Like absolving or saving people gives you bonus experience in different tiers and you have to fill experience in a tier to get the next level of powers in that tier. Um, and there's a lot of different really interesting powers that you can take that, that make the game play differently um, and there's there's one point in that game that's about two thirds of the way through where it's a battle where shit just keeps coming for like a good ten minutes like it's this super long extended fight where there's this giant like I think you saw the part where it's the dude whose head you're on as he's going through the lake of fire and then he raises up. Right, yeah, right. yeah, a lot of people and then, have seen this. Yeah, then you go onto the bridge and he's next to it like slamming his fist down or blowing fire or whatever like there. Like 
there's a part there where the fight goes about 10 minutes long and stuff just keeps coming and that's where the game just clicks like if you have figured out the combat system if you know what you're doing if you like have learned his abilities you will just continue fighting and keep these massive combos going and just and just have a, a lot of fun if you're into those kinds of games and then you have the puzzles in Dante's Inferno which are fucking awful like every after a certain point every puzzle in Dante's Inferno will kill you if you fuck it up and you will fuck it up and you will have to redo it again and again and several of them are multi-tiered and this is kind of sad with what what you twittered today about how they sort of played it safe and didn't take any chances like yeah. it almost makes me feel like d- does an action game need puzzle well i mean I, I mean maybe like as a palate cleanser cleanser from the action Something. sure and i mean when you're exploring the world and not fighting there there's interesting stuff to see but it's like the money that they were spending on Dante's Inferno. Maybe it's like the the sort of middling success of Dead Space made them think, okay, well, we really need this one to be be a hit, like the way the Dead Space kind of wasn't. Um, so that money that they were spending on marketing and getting it out there made them afraid of veering away from the conventions that they thought right, okay. God of War established. Yeah, I could see So they're like, well, God of War does this. Well, we're going to do that harder. <laughs> Like, in God of War, you just hold down the right bumper to open a chest, if I recall correctly. Or maybe it's the right trigger. And you don't have to do anything but that. And in this, you fucking have to hold down the bumper and then hammer B or whatever. And the the reason they'll, they'll say they do that is because there are points where they'll have a bunch of enemies and a chest on the other side. And you need to knock everyone down and give yourself enough time to where you can open that chest and get the souls of the mana that it has. And that's not fun. Like, the constant hammering on stuff is not fun. It's stupid. And, I mean, like Anthony was saying earlier in the car, then you have a game like Darksiders where you just, you hit B, and he he punches the chest and runs away, and the souls follow you, and that's it. And that's glorious. Yeah, you don't need to overthink it. It's just like they wanted to out God of War, God of War on everything. Like, oh, well, God of War can't keep a frame rate above 30. We're going to do 60, even if that means the game looks kind of not good in spots. And it's just, it's a game that was derailed by its marketing message and by the money spent on it, I think. Um, There's stuff to like for people who are into God of War and those kinds of games. I think the combat is enough to recommend it. Like, it's not just, oh, stupid God of War clone, like Viking or Conan or like Ghost Rider or any of those other games. But it, it fails, I think, in part because they were afraid to take chances. And that bums me out because the parts I've always I've played at demos and like different like events have been I know, good. You've been championing that game as a hopeful thing for a long time. Yeah, like I like we Team Xbox gave it a six point seven, and I don't think that that's a fair score. Um, I think that's low. But well, uh, it's not what you would have given. No, it, it's I mean. it's not. I mean, and there are certain scores that I that I understand, but I I, f- I don't I don't agree with our score. But I mean. I, I wouldn't have given it higher than an eight. I didn't. F- I haven't finished it. Like I'm three quarters of the way through. But where it stands now, like and knowing what I know about the rest of it, I don't think it would qu- cross an eight, and it'd probably be closer to a seven. Six point seven is only point three away from that seven, Arthur. Point three. Yeah. Uh, and I also played, interviewed Chime. 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 I saw you tw- tweet about that today too. Small game. Tyler interested. Small game. What is this? Uh, it's 
you, you, you've heard of One Big Game? It's like the non-profit game publisher where the proceeds of their stuff goes to charity. Oh, yeah, yeah. It goes to the Starlight Foundation and Save the Children. Okay, yeah. Um, so Chime is published by them and developed by Zoe Mode, who did SingStar and some other stuff. Okay. Um, and they also did You're in the Movies. I don't even understand how Chime works when I watch it because it just seems like you. I always see you throwing blocks and it looks so random. And then when they disappear, it also seemed random. I'm like, well, how does this work? Uh, so Luminez meets Tetris is sort of like how it's been it is the easiest way to describe it. But it's in its own way, it's much more open with what you can do than those games because it's not stuff falling from the top to the bottom. It's just like it's like you're standing over a board with pieces that you you can put down and wherever you want. Like, and if then how f- do they get cleared? Uh, once there's a three by three group of things, they start to clear. And if you add another row to that, then that it resets the clearing and it starts again. Um, and the longer it goes, the more points you get and the more of the board that you've, you've had that you've covered, which is called coverage. Go figure. Um, the higher your multiplier and the more, the more blocks and cover and more quads that you clear, the higher your multiplier. And, and when you clear a quad, any pieces left over from like that are sort of like orphan bits of other pieces, they can only be hit by the rhythm line that goes across the screen so many times before they're destroyed. And if one of those gets destroyed, your multiplier resets. And then you lose what by running out of coverage space? Uh, no, you don't. There's it's just a, there's a time limit. Oh, and that's it. Like once that time limit is done, the the stage is done. Is there a point to doing like bigger combos? Does it do different music? You get more and more uh, points. First of all, um, and yeah, the music changes depending on what you do. Like every cube is a certain kind of note whose state is influenced by coverage and whether or not it's something being cleared or something that's been hit by the beat line a certain amount of times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like there's a ton of variables that are not present in lumens like it makes lumen lumines look simple uh in the capacity for what the music does and the music is much more musical than anything lumines huh um but it's it's really good there's some weird polish issues like if you clear a really huge quad sometimes like the game will stutter and the music will fall out of sync and and weird shit will happen did you um, have to, did you give it a score was it a I did I gave it an 8 okay because it's it's really good it just lacks polish and there's like certain like each level gets progressively more segmented and segregated like and that's still what you have to work in and some of those just don't work very well hmm. and the i think the the pieces use five five squares each instead of four like tetris so there's more unpredictability and stuff doesn't fit together as commonly um but in general, it's definitely worth the 400 points. Oh, it's only 400 points? Yeah, it's five bucks. And for, it goes to charity. Yeah, and it goes to charity. You get a, I mean, and if you care about this kind of thing, you get an achievement as soon as you hit start. For just having donated? Because you bought it. You did something nice. Oh. Well, there you go. Which is kind of cheesy, but I'm willing to overlook it because they're donating to charity. Yeah. Is that That's it nice. for use? I think so. 
Yeah, I can't think of anything else. I mean, I played some more Darksiders, but... And Freedom Force. Yeah, that too. And I also played some Silent Hill, the original. That was balls. Um, that was balls? Yeah, the very first one on PS1. I played it on my PSP. That game is impossible to go back to. Just want you to know. I reached the first save point, and I was like, yeah, that was $5. I'll never play again. So I found that game impossible to play when it came out. I remember playing it pretty far the first time, but nowadays it's just like, no. This is ugly. I'd rather read a Wikipedia page for the storyline and just play Silent Hill Shattered Memories instead if I was going to play through that plot again. So, not good. It's good to know we're alienating giant chunks of our audience at the end of the segment. Hey, I love Silent Hill. I know, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, people, yeah, I know. just tried to go back to it, and I'm like, there's no point. And if you didn't think Shattered Memories was at least kind of cool, then... You're no Silent Hill fan of mine. Like, to me, you're just dumb. Anyways, now that I've called you dumb, stop fucking listening. Or come back when we'll be talking about uh, sequels with your comments. Sequels. said a message board forum doesn't mean shit and we're back now that we've alienated the other half of our audience i didn't say which one um so the we wanted to talk about sequels and the post i put up on the site said for this week's show we'd like to know about how you feel about sequels these days sequels this is me saying this sequels feel more like what we would have called expansions back a few generations ago with more and more franchises pumping out the next part of the franchise within 18 months prior to the games or to the prior release um and then i asked people if they agreed or disagreed you know what do you miss about old sequels or rather what do you think the word sequel even means today and i just disagree with your your thesis right off the bat i mean i don't even necessarily agree with me i just kind of put it out there just to uh provoke thought because there are clearly games that come out within 18 months of each other that i've enjoyed the shit out of all right so what did i put things out there to get people to discuss i mean i'm gonna have to bleep that out um devil's no i I, you know um i think that's a valid point with you know and then a lot of sequels just take the bigger batter approach and we never see many complete revitalization and I, i i i know this wasn't intentional but as an example i'd like to draw on is the super mario's one and super mario's two like i'm completely aware that super mario brothers Two that we got in the U.S. was a completely different game. It's Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, and that's why it's so different. But even still... Well, even Mario 1 to Mario 3. Even Mario 1 to 3 is still a pretty big sea change. See, I I feel like... Like, I I throw around with the eye roll the whole bigger, better, more badass thing, like, as a way... as as an insult, more or less. As a pejorative, but... 
uh, first off, Gears of War 2 was a really good game and a it's pretty big improvement from the first Gears of War, which you, I mean, if you play the first one and then the second one, then try to go back to the first one, it should be clear that a lot of stuff got a lot better. And, right. and I mean, I feel like we're actually in a sort of a period where sequels actually have been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not that they aren't good. It's just I was just wondering if like people think that there's these days is there still the jump that we used to see from sequels or is it just that maybe you know like i'm not even like i said i don't even necessarily agree with what i wrote is like maybe was it just like mario 3 to super mario world the reason it was such a big jump right was because it was also a console jump and nowadays sequels happen a lot more frequently in one on the same console so it's like it's like the idea of what a sequel is has changed, but it's not like they're bad. They're just different now. It's like it isn't necessarily. Sometimes it's a continuation of a story and a minor improvement upon mechanics that are really significant. Mm-hmm. You know, like Halo 1 and Halo 2 both came out on the Xbox, but, man, that is a fucking proper sequel. As, a, as an aside, I think it's funny that you mentioned the Mario games, considering that the next quote-unquote prop or actually... New Super Mario Brothers Wii is basically New Super Mario Brothers with four-player co-op. Right. And Super Mario Galaxy 2 are a bunch of fucking levels of Super Mario Galaxy that they didn't get finished in time that they're releasing together as a game. Right, and see, I have no problem with that. Like, I, I like I, a lot of people said, like, they don't have any problem, like, actually, Bruce Chalupa, who comments quite a bit. Yeah, he, he, yeah. You know, he said, I don't have any issues with sequels being smaller in scale when it means that I get the next beloved game in a franchise sooner. Of course, this is assuming that the said sequel actually presents something new and worthwhile. It isn't just a visit to a world like a map pack. I'm nervously thinking of Bioshock 2 when I say this. If companies want to do this, then they'll need to consider different price points. I'm almost sad that we're doing this topic this week before we can talk about Bioshock 2. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing. is like I, I have no problem with it. Like, uh, you know, like, I enjoyed Ghost Recon, and that's, like, the quintessential what I was pointing Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, yes. you mean? And that, and Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six Vegas, which people actually pointed out, are two of the games that I was pointing fingers at when I made that. Because you know, like those were a couple games when this when I was like, second one's out, coming out soon. Yeah, it was like they were so. Those ones were like so close, and they were not very good, and they weren't as good, you know. And it's like those ones really did feel more like expansion packs. Let's put it on the table: like Rainbow Six Vegas two, not good. Like it had bad level design. I enjoyed it. Not good story. Uh, it's true. The story wasn't near, and the story in the first one wasn't great, but the story in the second one was not very good at all. But yeah, that was like an example where I was like, those felt like really bad expansion packs. And, and expansion than, packs in the way that not y- you just want more of the game. Yeah, the game you played. Here you go. Yeah, it's, it wasn't even like they were like you know that weird mechanic that was. They didn't even really do anything like that. Mm-hmm. But there, and then there are clearly games that are proper sequels that still, if people were to look at them, could be like, oh that. No, it looks just like a map pack. Like, if someone were to see Mass Effect, right? And they would be like, oh, it just looks like more of the game. But the game is so different. So, or, or Assassin's Creed 2. Part of me wonders if we're going to see more, like, direct-to-retail sequels that seem like map packs. Because I don't... I feel like the Grand Theft Auto 4 DLC is sort of a grand experiment that resulted in failure this generation. Like, that was the big test. Like, oh, can we do, like, this huge sort of keep the engine would be retail like release content as dlc and and see it succeed and it didn't like it it just did not sell well i mean it sold well for dlc but it didn't sell well for something grand theft auto right yeah uh, but you know i uh, yeah I, i don't know i think one thing that 
that that that that is at least nice about video game sequels is they don't face the problems that movie sequels do. Like Which, movie sequels tend to suck, but video game sequels do tend to improve. Elaborate. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say. I mean, one of our commenters, Jesse Bass or Bass Bass. I'm gonna say Bass says, uh, unlike movies, the second game of a franchise is usually better. It's when developers take what's good and refine it that makes it better rather than like in movies it's like how can we extend this plot line out a little mm. bit longer yeah rather because there isn't mechanics necessarily to yeah well because the story plot. is just not as important typically in games it's just yeah. like that's true i mean that is like a danger with sometimes gaming sequels that are like like a more story heavy game like metal gear solid games where they've all been focused on story it's like eventually man you're beating an old horse to fucking death yeah insane death by the way you're just getting increasingly mm-hmm. more insane. I mean, those games are always insane, but you know, now they're just fucking off the road. Yeah, but, you know, and I, but at the same time, you have something like Mass Effect where, you know, I, you know, I, I was telling Jody, man, I was like, you know, I, I had my analogy of the Darth Vader story, and then I also kind of felt like since it's this one giant story arc with all these characters that, you know, I, I feel like it's sort of the first successful giant story told over, like, all these games. It is... To to sort of steal an analogy <coughs> in a way, it is the Godfather Two of video game sequels. Ah, very nice. I like that. Have you seen the Godfather and the Godfather Two? I've seen. I, I've seen. They're, they're one of those movies where I've Son seen bits and pieces bitch. of both, and neither but never of the you. whole thing through. Motherfucker, I, I, those are on my list. We need, need to have a fucking Godfather weekend. Yeah, um, I know. I need to. But basically, it just. Ma- I, Mass Effect 2 is a sea change in the way I think the video game sequels can be viewed just by virtue of how it goes about being a sequel. Mm-hmm. Well, Assassin's Creed seems like it too, right? Assassin's Creed 2 was also... I think Assassin's Creed 2 was... It's not as big a deal in a way because it's just taking the things that were like laid as a foundation and developing them more. And it's it's taking the story and doing something more interesting with it, but it's not... At its core, Assassin's Creed 2 isn't that much different. Like, they didn't... They took some chances, but they didn't sort of radically change the game. So really, for you, why Mass Effect 2 is so much more of what a sequel can be is because of the importing the save. Well, the the importing the save definitely affects its impact, but also they took some pretty major risks with just radically changing Some big parts of big the, the game mechanics inventory. getting rid of the less rpg making it less rpg as people well, making said. it less what people like i've taken to calling it less about the sort of symptoms slash baggage of what rpgs have been over the last few decades like loot and gear and all yeah. that stuff as a definition of quote-unquote I mean, character I mean, progression yeah like, how do you fucking define a character by the armor he's wearing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, to sound, like, real douchey about it, it's it's like a postmodern RPG or whatever, in that sense that it, like, trims a lot of the fat. At first, I thought you were joking. That does sound kind of douchey. Yeah. But I can see where but, you're but coming you know, from. But you know what I'm getting at? I absolutely it's do. It's moving on from old standards. I, I had lots of douchey postmodern art history, so I it, it is absolutely... What that See, it's is. funny because mm-hmm. the two games, Assassin's Creed, Mass Effect, that you guys are pointing out, like a lot of our commenters also pointed out, is that's like an example of sequels that are good. What about Uncharted 2? And then Uncharted people said uh, mostly was the same game, but got away with it because it was a great story. You know, the story was so good that they were okay with that. That 
like the story alone carried it to where it's okay to have that as a sequel. I think that's fair, although I I, I think it's a little unfair to gloss over the mechanical. Oh, it was definitely significantly improved in um, that aspect. But uh, I think it's unfair to say the the story in Uncharted Two was good. I think it's fair to say the characterization in Uncharted Two was the good. The narrative was the good. Like it just house. dragged you forward like but, uh, really yeah. effectively. But uh, games that people pointed out as being examples of bad sequel making were the Tony Hawk franchise. Yes. pointed out like people were like when they played one and they played the second one it was like like totally like the f- improvement from one to two was there when sequels go franchise and then and then yeah and then when t- after two it was after like, two it was yeah it was just like why it's like the second mcdonald's is fine and the third mcdonald's is good but once you get to the fourth or fifth mcdonald's there might be a problem right uh, and uh and yeah and another one people point out was skate was kind of going in that same way where it's well, i mean like, we don't know that yet but it's a little weird Right. Well, it's just yeah. It just seemed like like and well, and people also pointed out just sports franchises in general, just being like these things where they feel the pressure to pump them out year after year. And some years, like two years ago, Madden or something, wasn't it? Where it was like it was actually like a pretty significant move. And then, but then a lot of times it's usually just like roster changes and a couple of new like many things that they add. You know, like real uh, finite, like a real not finite, real uh, minutia. Right. Granular. Granular, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's like a... You know, I guess the thing is, is that it's like some sequels nowadays, like, I will still play Mario 1 and I will still play Mario 3 because they're very different games. Or, you know, I could see myself playing, like, in, I don't know, like Doom 3 and Doom 2 are not different. You know, they're totally different yeah, beasts. Yeah, those are very different. But it's like... Ghost Recon 1 and Ghost Recon 2 there are some times that I play games like that where there's like no reason to ever go back to the first again because they're pretty close like I think that Left 4 Dead 2 is a true sequel but it's just better enough and still similar to the other product enough that I don't ever feel like I want to go back and play one ever again like I feel like sequels nowadays neutralize like a lot of times will like make the other ones kind of a lot more pointless like obsolete yeah yeah like a lot more than they ever used to I don't know in some ways yeah um, there's something I want to say and I can't say it. I mean, people Fuck. did point out that, you know, 8-bit era and 16-bit era were just as bad about pumping out franchise things, which is true. I mean, look how many Mega Mans came out, right? Do you have any idea how many Rocket Knight Adventures games there were? No, I don't. You know, it's, so, I mean, people did... I mean, they are right. These things got pumped out. Just like Super Mario 2 in, in Japan was just more Mario. It, it was just, here's some new levels that are really yeah. hard. So, I mean... uh you know, Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 2, pretty much. Even those two aren't, like, that significant. I mean, they're... I don't know. I think I would disagree with that example. Really? I mean, Resident Evil 2, the scale was bigger, but it was still, like, the clunky controls. The... But they also... I mean, Resident Evil 2 did something which nothing else that I'm aware of had done before, which is where it was the same story, but you could choose from two different characters. That's true. And it changed with either one, and then you could play again with the other character and you would be playing opposite of your original playthrough. So like if you would take that's ammo true. It wasn't and shit, just character swap. Yeah. That's that's true. That 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 is a good point. Uh that's it was, right. It's fucking still, pretentious gaming moment right it there. It still wasn't the, the same as the leap from like two one, three to four. No, not four from was, Nemesis four to four, was not like at a, all. Four was like a four it's almost like a it was a quantum nowadays leap. it's like the ways that some sequels used to get pumped out it's like we envisioned that as like a reimagining of the franchise at this point. Like it's like a completely new. It direction. was like like Tomb Raider Legend was a complete reboot for the series. Yeah, and I, and I feel like old sequels in a lot of ways sometimes they were like 
like reboots like Doom 2 to Doom 3. That was like a reboot. The thing that's weird to me is that like now we're getting to the point where companies are talking about rebooting like franchises games that aren't even that old. We have seen reboots of this generation like like Eidos and Square are working on a fucking reboot of Tomb Raider. That is the second reboot of term- Tomb Raider this generation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that that's I mean, the last one performed really not up to... I don't... I thought that it performed fine. I don't like, know. I, I've talked to some people that... Uh, I thought it sold like on it a it, few million. And it was not... It was, they were not happy with the overall performance for how much Man, effort went into I it. I just wonder if Eidos said way overblown expectations for what a Tomb Raider game is supposed to do now. Yeah, I think it's just because there were so many different versions of it, and they were different games, and they had multiple studios working on the other versions. So I think that there was a lot more investment there than... Than maybe they were hoping I, the return for. I don't know. Maybe Laura Croft is like a, a mascot of the whole symptom of this issue of just like I mean that's people exactly. not letting that got beaten to symptomatic. Beat to death. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and I I don't know. Do you guys feel like now more so than ever, developers are really taking in feedback on the first game and implementing it into the second one? Yeah, it seems I, like that is more. Yeah, this, this I mean, is probably going to sound weird in an Age of Gears of War 2, but sequels <laughs> sequels this generation have felt a lot more thoughtful than mm-hmm. I think I mean, I they, think that, they have uh, in the past. I think it's true, because nowadays they can look on message boards and just be like, man, people hated that part of our game. Math- hated like, it. Right, but I mean... 2, again, is a good example of that. I mean, the, you know, the, I mean, the web's been around a while. I mean, the PS2, Xbox era, you know, we were all online. Yeah, but, but I think it's reached, like, a critical mass now where yeah. people feel more confident that this isn't just a fringe. This is, like, a representation of, like... Like you know, everyone. This is who know. we're selling to. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like, like, uh, Prince. It's funny that I'm sitting here talking about how, in some ways, I'm nostalgic for these sequels that really change things. But there are certain game franchises that I I've hated when they've changed things too. Like, like I could not get into the new Prince of Persia game, for instance. And like, there's a a significant part of me that would love a new, like, new looking version of Prince of Persia that goes back to the that same old thing. That is what the next Prince of Persia is, basically. You know, and, it, and it's, it's Except like... Except you're going to be looking at Jake Gyllenhaal. But, I, you know, and it's like, I'm okay with that. So, I mean, I am okay sometimes with franchises just doing that. Like, you know, I bought, purchased, and played through all three of those Prince of Persias. They were essentially just like a story change, but pushing that. You played through Prince of Persia Godsmack? I played through Prince oh, of Persia Godsmack. Dude. Yeah, I did play Godsmack all the time, or at least Godsmack-esque music. But yeah, I mean... To some extent, I'm okay with that. You know, just like a, I would play Advance Wars one and two for some different battlefields. You know, I I'm not immune to it either. There are certain things mm-hmm. that when you play a quality product, just getting more of that quality product sometimes is enough mm-hmm. to get me a purchase. Like if Darksiders two were to come out a month from now with a whole new storyline and it was like new dungeons but still the same game, I would probably buy it. I own four Guitar Hero games and three Rock Band games. <laughs> there we go. I mean, yeah, I own Silent Hill 2, 3, and 4, which are all, like, pretty much not that different. And well, two Homecoming. And three. So, and Homecoming. Yeah, I mean, they're all, you know, not... And the new one. And the new one. I own all the Silent Hills except for... The, no, I own all Silent Hills. There we go. So, yeah, I'm not immune to it either. It's just, you know... Let's read some more comments. Um, okay. Zyax. Who I also like comments frequently. He says, as long as the experience is fulfilling, the distinction between expansion and sequel is pretty mechanical. I think what we're seeing now is more of a design iteration than expansion. Take existing mechanics and existing characters, tell a new story. Um, or, he says, Assassin's Creed 2 sequel in parentheses. Or, in the case of less story-driven games, refine the mechanics and possibly expand them. 
Skate 2, for example. To me, an expansion is something that can't stand on its own. Iterated versions like Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition aren't sequels, but they don't feel like expansions either. They are expanded, true, but someone can come into the new version fresh and not be missing out. <laughs> Trying to play just the expansions for Fallout 3 with no context would be practically expo- impossible. Some things are more like traditional sports franchises. Guitar Hero is more like Madden than anything iterative releases. I don't know that I would call them sequels. When I think of sequel, I generally think of something that has a story like They're Mass like Effect. installments. Yeah, so I think nowadays I, maybe it's it's like as you know, story in games is much more a, of an issue. That is much more of what sequels are, are about, like Uncharted 1 to Uncharted 2. Uncharted 3, I'm not expecting all of a sudden for it to be a driving game, you know, or something yeah. like that, but it is going to be still another story of Nathan Drake, rather like more like an Indiana Jones movie. You know, it might as well be called Nathan Drake, the game, but it's what just going to be called Uncharted. I mean, are there any sequels that you guys can think of that you're sort of concerned about? Well, I mean, uh... I, 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 I was concerned. I Bioshock Two is still, you know, one of those ones that I think is on everyone's mind, right? Cause yeah. It's a different studio. I almost but, wonder if it is. Like at this point, it seems like a lot of people have just stopped talking about it. I have heard from sources off the record that 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 game is already making money. Like pre-orders, things are enough that the studio knows they will make money on it come day one, so they're not worried about that. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it'll do well just based on the success of the first game. Just wonder how much they'd have to make to make back the investment that it took five goddamn studios to do. Yeah, well, apparently the hype has been okay for them. Um, but yeah, other sequels I was worried about. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little curious about Dead Space too. I mean, I'm not necessarily worried, but I'm just like I. I was reading Patrick Klepek today talk about how he was disappointed that they're going in a more action-oriented direction than a horror-oriented direction in that. I still felt like the first one was pretty action-oriented to begin with. I mean, I was never, like, like horrified in the traditional horror game since, except there were a very few times in the first one. I but mean, I but it doesn't seem like... It. it seems like you don't get scared <laughs> by by American horror stuff so much as you do Japanese and Asian horror aesthetics. I get horror... I get scared more by, like, ambient sounds and stuff rather than, like, boo moments like the um, boom moments and stuff get old to me but like when a, there's like the thought of something that could be impending but never actually comes that bothers me a lot more i think I that know. like for dead space 2 what i'm hoping is that action they like it's like aliens was more focused on action than alien was yeah i think that's i, I do actually i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that that's the analogy that they're running in the oh, studio i'm sure that <laughs> if it isn't they're working on that right now yeah um but yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm a little worried about Splinter Cell, I guess. I just Not want because sp- I don't think it'll be good. I really want it to I be want good. It, that's my problem. I want yeah. that game to be good so bad. And this is an example of exactly what we're talking about, a game that is very different than the ones that have come well, before. Well, it's very different than even it started out being. Yeah, like they've changed than its that. own game. Yeah. yeah I mean. Well, and it's also an example of something else that's been happening a lot this generation is that a game will start with one developer and will be handed off to someone else mm-hmm. for the second one. Like Crackdown Two isn't isn't real time worlds. Yeah, I mean that worries um, me slightly about Crackdown. Although, to be fair, Ruffian, the the guys who are making Crackdown Two, are largely composed of ex real time worlds employees. Um, you had Splinter Cell Double Agent, which was done by Ubisoft Shanghai after Ubisoft Montreal are the ones that are responsible for quote unquote the good Splinter Cells. Um, and now Ubisoft Montreal is working on Conviction 2, so that's, like, I'm hoping that it's that's its salvation. 
but then you have like army of two i think may have changed development teams um the second rainbow six vegas and the second graw i think were both different studios than they were than they're the next fallout's coming from a different studio well yeah that's from the sequel studio like that's what they that's what those guys do make sequels yeah. granted i mean they're they're usually very ambitious and interesting but they're usually buggy. fucking broken yeah buggy uh, buggy is not even appropriate a word for most of the stuff that obsidian has released i i, I think one uh, one pretty significant sequel that was pretty ballsy uh grand theft auto 4 pretty big game franchise and um i feel like they did some pre- uh I don't know. What do you guys feel like? The, the, you know, the driving and a lot. of I mean, of stuff I feel like it is a felt, sequel. It's yeah. not like an expansion, right? I mean, it yeah. is very uh, different. But I'm not the person to ask because I like I'm one of the few people who just didn't enjoy any of the Grand Theft mm. Auto games last I didn't generation. Beat it, but right. I mean, um, I, I thought it was. I th- I could tell that like you know there was a lot of work put into changing a, things. Yeah, you know? a change in direction, both tonally, like the tone of the whole game, and. The only Grand Theft Auto 4 I played was Lost and Damned, and I enjoyed it up until the point where the story stopped and went back into the, oh, okay, we'll now go do a bunch of shit for a while stage of Grand Theft Auto. And that's, that's where I was like, oh, that's right. This is a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah. That's I don't know. why I don't like these. Yeah. That, then I, you have games like Red Faction Guerrilla, which just do something completely fucking different. Yeah. That was a, that's out of, a sequel. Out of a random place. Like, continue. That's like a re envisioning right there. It's yeah. not even. I mean and, that that has basically nothing. And to we do will with see a sequel to Red Faction Guerrilla by next April. See, and that that one sounds like that's going to be more like a content expansion, but that's okay because I just don't fuck it up, please, Volition, don't fuck it up. Well, Volition, in my opinion, have man, they've always made pretty Dude, good games. They're solid, man. There's someone to watch. They, they Saint, the first Saints Row was good. The second Saints Row was even better. And I feel and like I liked could, the first two uh, Red Factions. So I feel like the first two Red Factions were really gimmicky. I mean, the the second one was really gimmicky and campy, and the storyline was kind of silly, but I still enjoyed them. Like, those were some of my introductions to FPS console games, and mm. they were both really good. I don't know. For when the time. I don't know that they hold up. but Yeah, but really for me good. now, when I hear Volition, man, my ears peak. Like, what do they got working on? Yeah. They're also working on another Saints Row. Nice. So That game was good, dude. Saints Row 2. I just heard it was super buggy. Ah, probably. It was charming. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know. Just because it's got a poop truck doesn't make it charming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 you know, again, a lot of people were like, I don't think that it's true that sequels nowadays are what we would have called expansions. I don't necessarily think that either. I just wanted to provoke discussion in people because... Well, what are some major expansions you can think of that... Nowadays, games don't really have expansions unless they're PC games. Like, And pretty much even in PC it's games... It's only real-time strategy exactly. games. Exactly. Those are the only games that get expansion packs. Or WoW. Like. Or Civ. You know, it has to be like, like some sort of strategy game. Or yeah, MMOs. MMOs also. get expansions mm-hmm. like crazy. I mean, EverQuest has famously had like over twenty-five or something now. But you know, uh, yeah, most games don't get expansions these days. If you, unless you want to view DLC as expansions. Yeah. In I, which I, case, you know, uh, well, there Oblivion is, did have some considerable. Well, expansion I mean, they content. consider the Shivering Isles an expansion. Yeah, um, and I mean the Return to Oscar. Exactly. No, not Return to Oscar. Ostagar. Ostagar is DLC. Um, Awakening. Yeah, is the Dragon uh, Age. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, the, so, the so set, yeah. right. And now we're getting to, into like semantics, right? But I think, and in, in, you know, in a way, I mean, I mean, I don't know, this is like saying a very obvious thing, but like the DLC really is the new expansion, right? I guess and, expansion is just like that other guy said. It basically comes down to 
can it be played on its own or is it dependent on this other thing? Well, yeah. even some expansions like were were iffy on that. I mean, there were some expansions that you could play by themselves and some that required the disc. Yeah, oh, I mean, I guess but, that's true, right? Because technically, there's only been one uh, Company Heroes and then there's been two expansions, but they were standalones, mm-hmm. so they could be played on their own. I don't know. But they're still expansions. They're not sequels. Do you have any more comments that you want to read? Um, That's Arthur giving me the wrap it up. No, I I want more. Um, More comments. Nick says, I almost feel like the word sequel has become obsolete. They are either Left 4 Dead 2 style, too late for an expansion, too early for a new iteration, or overhauls of central game mechanics answering nearly every complaint from the first entry, a la AC2 or ME2. The second variety sequel makes the original feel like a rush to play, rushed pay to play public beta, which works out for the player in the end, but makes me wonder if they shouldn't start releasing betas earlier. If developers are ultimately going to fix everything we bitch about for number two, why not wrap the whole quality control process into the development cycle? I mean, they. I know why he says money, but I can dream. No, they they do do that. Like most developers do, some focus testing. Like, right. They try to anticipate people's complaints. It's not like they're like. Who the fuck, who fucking cares what the players think? Sometimes I'm do? sure they do focus testing. I'm sure some games, like Mass Effect, probably had focus testing. I mean, yeah, Halo a lot, is a good example sure. of a game that had a lot of focus testing, like for the multiplayer stuff. Yeah. Um, let me see. I'll try and find another one. I saw people talking about Dead Rising. Um, yeah, it's not a sequel. Right. That's a sequel. I'm not too excited. That's for, a sequel. I'm sequels. worried about. Like I was not that big of a fan of the first Dead Rising man. It just did not get me. I I liked it, but there were just so I like to fuck around in it. Mm-hmm. There are just so many fucking problems in that game that make it hard to play. Uh, you know, it might be an Assassin's Creed two situation, but I don't know. I you know will will the developer listen? It's a different know? developer. It's a different one. It's a Western developer doing Dead Rising two. I didn't know that. And I they might it was actually the listen. People. Mm, I think it's the same guy overseeing the team, but. Different, different well, I wouldn't developer. have any problem with it as long as it's fucking... Got like, a save system that I doesn't rely on system. a bathroom that's got about 3,000 zombies between you and it. Um, let's see. And it, and it had that crazy thing with like timing, right? Where if you didn't also true. beat it in a certain time, you were but fucked. Here's what I want to know if you agree with. This is from Romain, who says, uh, The biggest burn I've ever had with a quick sequel was a barely year turnaround between Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow, and Chaos Theory. I picked up Pandora Tomorrow for the multiplayer alone and loved the hell out of it, but a few months in, it was busted as hell due to balance issues and exploits, spy glitching into Merc spawn zones and spawns camping them, for example. Chaos Theory released less than a year later, leaving me feeling like I paid $50 to play a multiplayer beta test, which was quite a bit to pay at the time because I was in college and my wife, <laughs> we were both working to get by. But I'm that, that was a little side. But uh, but did you feel like like those two were like too close and... None. I Splinter Cell has always been about single player to me. So it's never been about multiplayer, so I didn't feel that way. I just thought, oh man, another Splinter Cell game. Fucking sweet. Holy crap, this looks so much better than the last one. Yeah. A sequel I really didn't get into that was mostly like more of the same different story was Metal Gear Solid 3. That was one like I loved to went to 3 and was like, nope, not doing it. Really? I was the opposite. Like, loved... The first Snake Eater, Metal Gear, uh, not Snake Eater, the first Metal Gear Solid, didn't like two that much, but really loved three. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I will say that I've never played the the real version of three. 
I bought it the day it came out. Oh, heaven forbid. And I played the one that was like the borked camera version. Yeah, I, yeah, I played through You didn't both. play the Splinter Cell version of Metal Gear Solid 3? Yeah, so I don't know what that's like. Um, yeah, that that one's not good. I played through that one first. Yeah, let me find one more comment to read. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, so Kufel says... Uh, while most sequels are great improvements on the original or previous, sometimes the extra details, extra attention to physics, or improved graphics are less beneficial. Of all the roller coaster tycoons, I prefer the original. I like this one because he talked about roller coaster tycoon of all <laughs> Right. The simpler yeah, rules of graphics left more to the imagination. I know it's a super, super popular game. Um, and it was easier to make up my own restrictions when the scenario goals were too simple. The later editions put me off when they added too much realism. Then again, I'm a person who enjoys way older NES, SNES graphics. To be able to achieve expressions concisely in so little pixels is very impressive. Well, this guy just likes old games. But, I mean, the point he's making is that sometimes, like, making it, bumping it up to, like, a new engine and doing all kinds of crazy stuff takes, in his mind, takes away from, like, what mm-hmm. the core of the game yeah. is. So, I mean, it's not just that. Some people are complaining that Mass Effect 2 is too dumbed down. I mean, I guess sometimes, I mean... The, the the like need to feel like you need to get more realistic because the engine allows it and stuff can be something that's more mm-hmm. annoying or something I don't know but yeah I mean it's like uh, you know keep it simple stupid you know it's that sort of idea um, yeah I, you know I, I I love the hell out of Captain Forever but Captain's successor I didn't take to as much because you know it added more pieces it complicated things more I felt like the simple rule sets were like where the magic was. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, let's take a break and then we'll come back and read some letters. Of course. Uh, hello, welcome back to our letters. Um, yeah, you just heard a climactic ending to our break, and we're and uh, now we're back to read letters. The first one is from Gabriel, and he says, uh, "Help a red ring victim out." Oh, jeez. And at first, I thought he was going to ask us to buy him a console or some shit, and I was going to be like, "We do not have that much money, bitch." But he just says, uh, "I was playing Modern Warfare 2 last week, and there was a knock on my door. Thinking it was my girlfriend, I shut down my 360 so we could spend some time together." But it turned out it was UPS with my collector's edition of Mass Effect 2. Excited, I turned on my 360 only to get the E74 message. It had been acting up for a few days, so it was only a matter of time. But what a hell of a time it chose to crap out. Anyway, everything is taken care of, and it will end, and in the end, it will arrive in a month. My question is, what games can you recommend for Wii or DS that can occupy my time until then? I own and have completed all the standard Nintendo first-party games, Zelda, Metroid, Mario's, and beat... Uh, SMT Devil Survivor on DS. Shit! I'm not that picky when it... I know, it's like the only game Arthur's played in a while on DS that he likes. I'm not that picky when it comes to games. I just need help finding something good to play. So on DS, I would recommend also 
Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story if you haven't already played that. But it sounds like with your record, you might have um, Dead Space Extraction. Any of the Ace Attorney games, if you can still find them. What um, about that one Dead game? Dead Space Extraction. A uh, Boy and His Blob. A Boy that, and His Blob would be for cool. For DS, that puzzle game that everyone's real hot on right now. It came out in December. Scribble Nuts? No, the, uh, it's like RPG oh. mixed with puzzle game. Come on, I fuck up the title. It's like Might and Magic, Magic Might. Oh, Heroes. Might and Magic Clash of Heroes. Might and Magic yeah. Clash of Heroes. That, that one seems really, really cool, cool to game. me. You should check out um, Puzzle Quest if you can find it. The Professor Layton games on DS are also really cool. Uh, if you're looking for more of like an RPG, you know, you could always go back and play something like Chrono Trigger if you haven't done that in a while. But uh, I've also heard that Spirit Tracks for Zelda was good. But again, with your record, it sounds like you probably already have that. Um, but yeah, on Wii, on Wii, I would totally check out Dead Space Extraction, or perhaps, uh, I mean, if you can find it, an old copy of Zack and Wiki, which is a game that a lot of people didn't buy, but you can probably find it used. Mm-hmm. Um, Some really cool WiiWare titles, too. WiiWare stuff. Yeah, that's the true. downloadable games. Um, I'm try- I, I heard No More Heroes 2 was good, if you liked the first one. So I've heard it was really good. So that might be one worth checking out as well. And I mean, this should be enough, because... Honestly, if Microsoft's turnaround time on repairs is usually like a week and a half, two weeks, and then you should have his console back. But yeah, you should also get Civilization Revolution on DS. That's all you. True. Need. That's all you need for the next month. True. Uh, I have a letter to read. Okay. Did it get sent directly to you? I. Th- I. It looks like it did. Yeah. Um. So last week, I think we talked about prices for games and how I didn't think that they were going to go down and that I thought that they were justified in costing more now than they did last gen. Does this ring a bell? Yeah. Um, ignoring the fact that console games in the 80s and 90s routinely costed 70 to 80 to 90 to to $100. The Wild West. Yeah. Um, this is from B- Brian Clodfelter. Uh Subject, price jumped to $60 justified. Half-Life was released in 1998 for $50 and sold 8 million copies by 2001. Modern Warfare 2, released in 2009 for $60, sold 7 million copies in its first day and is currently sitting at about 16 million sales on the PS3 and Xbox 360 alone. If we assume that PC sales were terrible, I think it's safe to say the game has sold 18 to 20 million copies so far. I disagree. I don't think it's sold that many copies on PC, Brian. Uh, He goes on to say, Half-Life... Eight million dollar, eight million copies times fifty, probably a five million budget equals three hundred ninety-five million dollar profit over a three-year period. Modern Warfare Two, eighteen million, eighteen million copies times sixty minus two hundred million budget equals eight hundred and eighty million profit in less than six months. Stop spreading corporate fud. If anything, games should be getting cheaper now that more people are buying them. Well, not every game is Modern Warfare yeah, Two. I mean, that's uh, just the easy answer to that. Uh, let me. Tyler, how much did you pay to see Avatar? Ten bucks or twelve, whatever the three D. Um, how much did you say pay to say see Jurassic Park? Probably about six dollars, if that. Like if you're yeah. going to a prime matinee, I might show. have yeah, played five dollars, six seventy five at a night showing, maybe. Um, prices for things are going up. DVD prices are going down because DVD sales are going through the toilet. And Blu-ray prices are going down because Blu-ray sales aren't so hot. And same thing with music CDs. But games are more successful. There is the cost of living increase in inflation. Games were a static price for like 15 years with the exception of the games that would cost 
60 or 70 or 80 or a hundred dollars. So no, I mean, I'm sorry. I, you're I wrong. think it's in not some, FUD. in some way you could argue that games are getting cheaper in that we now have more options for cheaper games. Like we have, we have more like $20 games, $10 games, $15 games than, we, than we've ever had. And game retail prices are dropping more quickly. It's true. I see games that have only like, I won't be surprised to see Darksiders for $40. I, it, like it's already month. popped up for that. I mean, Assassin's Creed 2 popped up for $40 within like a week of release. Yeah, I'm just, uh, not just like as a sale thing though. I just mean like, say permanent. Oh, it's permanent, perm style? Yeah. So and, um, and, 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 and also, you know, the the reader and the listener, you know, could consider too, like, you know, back then there was just so many, there just weren't as many factors as there are now. Like, I'm sure marketing now is a lot more expensive. I'm sure all that shit. Um, There's so much more involved websites that they have to fund. Yeah, I just, it's not FUD to say that, that games are justified in costing more than $50. It's just the way it is. It's not like I enjoy paying $60 for games I miss paying $50 too but well they price ain't going nowhere um not at release a, a listener Mark wrote in with a quick question that I cannot answer he just said he wants to hear my impressions on Blood Bowl and that will be next week because it's sitting in my room and I have not tried it yet so I will try it and find out how that goes um so you know where it's coming Mark I'm I'm not holding my breath though so I don't know Oh really? The the handheld ones I think are turn based. I think the 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 console one might be real time. I think it, it can be turn based. Okay, because it, it needs. I think that's a game that needs to be turn based. Otherwise, it's just like going to be crappy mutant league football. I bet. So, um, as in a crappy version of mutant league football. Right? Yeah. Okay. Because if you were saying mutant league football is crappy. No, mutant league football was like one of the words. only football games I was ever into. It was totally broken. Like that game would not be playable now on online. Like. Because you could totally just get a penalty uh, after someone scored, and while they were trying to kick an extra point, keep going offsides and tackling their players and killing them, and they can't call another penalty on like an extra point. Mm-hmm. So you just keep killing them and keep killing them. You kill their whole them. team. Yeah, you'd kill them until they had to forfeit. Now we've gotten a lot of really uh, insane or otherwise lengthy relationship letters in this last week. Like you know, we answered like one or two last week. Which, whenever we do that, it's like everyone's impetus to be like, the floodgates <laughs> have opened again. But yeah, sorry. I mean, I. Do you want to read one? Uh, if I it. can find one that's not going to take like an hour. I wanted to read this one real quick, though. It says, uh, he, it's just from Brian with a Y. And he says, I appreciate the very vocal stances you guys take on issues such as misogyny and the use of the word fag. It is needless for me to go into detail about how these things. Are pervasive in gamer culture, so it comes as a great pleasure to me when any of you take a serious stance on these issues and inform your listeners that they ought not to call people these names or that Bayonetta is actually misogynistic or refuse to play it on such grounds. You know, I, I mean, we have opinions, and you write a letter of appreciation. We get plenty of letters of uh, non appreciation. Yeah, <laughs> you're that we're a little bit of idiots. So, I mean, don't think that just because you post on a message board what you're saying is not heard. Yeah, I mean, uh, we generally, a lot of it all gets back to us. Because um, sometimes people just like linking me on Twitter to things. Another person wrote a, a letter that, that all it says is, have more J-Fresh. The end. That's it. J-Fresh. I would, I would that's, like it. That's advice for life. That's yeah. pretty much a, uh, a open invitation to him. It's just that... like it's, They're busy guys. Yeah, I mean, we get Matt to come out fairly regularly, which is nice. But, I mean, the rest of them, you know, it's, it's a, it is a rare treat. Well, I think we've set the Matt precedent. 
Okay, here's a short relationship letter. And I'm not saying that you have to write it in short to get them read, because I don't want everyone to write, like, Twitter relationship questions, but... <laughs> Uh, Spencer writes in, he says, This is my first question, but is coming from a long-time listener. I am a sophomore, and recently I have found myself smitten with this girl I've known since my freshman year. Which is one year ago since you're a sophomore, so don't make it sound like it's that long. That's <laughs> <laughs> long for him. And, but up until now, we have been very casual friends. There's one major problem, though. She has a boyfriend, dun, 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 and they have been dating for eight months now. Ooh, that's a long time for a freshman girl. Although I find that they have a very slow relation with each other and they don't seem madly in love with each other, now I am twiddling my thumbs wondering what to do without looking stupid. I'm trying not to look stupid, so I'm not sure if I should leave it alone or tell her straight up how I feel. Please help me, guys, or girls if they're there. (laughs) (coughs) Man, this is a tough one because, like, I know I've said before in the past, like, even if they're they have a boyfriend to go for it but what i really mean is like like uh think of like the office like jim and pam you know they were definitely meant for each other and uh you know pam's boyfriend was just a douchebag douchebag. so it's like yes like jim should should have fucking nutted up way before he did spoilers i'm sorry were you just talking about the office yeah this relationship yeah so i mean okay just if if you definite fill a chemistry between you and this girl, then I would say definitely pursue. Even At though least she has a boyfriend, yeah, yeah. Well, if even if hate guys like you, but I mean, fuck it, like, dude, I believe we only have one life, and that's it. No, I believe karma is a bitch afterlife or anything. And it's like, man, if that's the person that that you could picture yourself loving and being with for the rest of your life, like, you got to go for that shit in tenth grade. Well, maybe not then. I don't know. I, I mean, thought this guy was a sophomore in college. I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't listen to the well, high to school part. To be fair, part. he doesn't say. So I guess he could be. I theory. was assuming he was in college, and it's closer to. Series. You want to know what has an exponentially higher chance of occurring if this girl leaves the guy she's seeing to see you? She will leave you to see someone else. She'll upgrade. Yes. Yeah, you do have that to, to contend with as well. Like I don't necessarily believe in the once a cheater, always a cheater thing, but right, but. You'll, okay, hold on. This is a good letter. This is a really good letter. Okay, you said you're wiggling it around in your chair, so well, it's because he gets into something that I have no fucking opinion on, but Tyler will, and you will probably too, Arthur. Adam, my friend and I are juniors in high school, and we are making an Xbox indie game for our independent study. I would graciously, greatly appreciate your opinions on the following: What font should we avoid in the menus? I was thinking of using System or Terminal. Tyler seems to really know his fonts. Terminal's yeah. sort of cliche at this point, isn't it? That's, you know, it sort of is, but like, you it's, could definitely pick. It's no worse. Comic Sans, but which one should they avoid? Comic Sans. There's a and lot. Tran and <laughs> I like writing in Arial because it's easy on the eyes. But I, hey, I would recommend Arial. That's you know, um, if, if you I'm want des- your game to look Dutch. Yeah, I mean, like if I'm designing a website, like I will choose Arial because it's the closest to like Helvetica, and it's just a clean sans serif, you know. I mean, it's going to piss, piss you another font. He also says that he say wants it. to include something in it to represent each of his favorite podcasts, but he doesn't want to put a fat penis because his teachers have to see it. So he wanted to know if there was something we thought he could put in there. There's mm-hmm. a few different Rebel FM memes you could mine from. You could put a leprechaun. I mean that one. Yeah, that'd be an cats. easy one. We got a. I got a letter this morning from someone asking. This guy lives in Ireland and has like the most Irish ass name I've ever heard. It's like Branagh or something like that. Uh, 
if he could get our t-shirt design tattooed on him. It's funny Whoa. that he felt like he should write into us and ask us that. Dude, it's my impetus design. is the, the design is good. I don't just, have it say Rebel FM. Exactly. Just get the cool Leprechaun skull thing not, symbol. And it's not because we're like, oh god, some retard has our name on him. It's just like, and yes, I said retard. I'm an I asshole. just think that the idea of getting like a band name or any group name tattooed on you is always, what if someday we say something that pisses you off, Brandon? In fact, I would be willing to bet we will. <laughs> so just If this yeah. podcast history is any indication, we will say something that will get make you hate Get the fucking us. symbol. But, but you know what? I, I want to get back to the font. I want to say one more thing about it. Yeah. The most important thing, I don't know what type of game you're developing. So it's like the font should fit with the look of the game. So like that's a very Unless it's comic sans. Very important, yeah, thing. Or trade. Um but but I would recommend go to defont.com. There's a lot of free amateurish uh fonts there, but there's some pretty decent um pixel looking fonts if you look in the pixel category. There's some nice Or I mean that I think look great. Adam, something you, else is think of an adjective like that describes your game and type that in plus font in Google and see what you find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Adam should tell us more about what his game is. And then we could give him some better advice. Definitely. Because at this point, yeah, it's like, are you making a shooter? Is it a platformer? Like, what is, is it? it in the future? Is it in the past? Like, I like our font. I like the Rebel FM yeah. font. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a, it starts with a Kremlin. It's Kremlin. Yeah, it's Kremlin. Right, yeah. Um, so he said, John this writes in and he says, I heard you guys make a Dark Tower reference on last week's podcast. This is one of my favorite series of all time, and I was just wondering what you think of J.J. Abrams turning it into a movie and wondering if you would be interested in a game based in the series, like maybe a Borderlands-style RPG FPS. Mm. Uh, I have not gotten far far enough into the series to say what type of game it would need to be. But to me... Mass Effect. I was going to say, to me, I picture being like a really hardcore RPG traveling around with the party so mass effect type game does mm. sound more like it because it'd be dialogue heavy and i'm only familiar with the title this is like it's like a western fantasy game right is, or a book sorry it's like western, western meets fucking post-apocalyptic dark meets stuff meets weird fantasy okay. demons and everything yeah that's what i assume in my head it's portal traveling meets lost um uh, i'm whatever jj abrams can can do what he wants i mean I I think I thought Frank Darabont wanted to do it, but I guess that project fell apart, and now Frank Darabont is working on Walking Dead instead. Frank Darabont is the guy that directed um, Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile and The Mist. I That's think. right. Yeah. All the good Stephen King movies have been done by Frank Darabont, like the best ones. I won't say the good ones, but I will say the best ones. No, I think all of those are good. Like Shawshank Redemption is Stephen King. Yeah, I know. I'm saying the best ones have been done by him. Not necessarily like, all the good ones. There have been other good Stephen King movies that yeah. were Frank Darabont, but the best ones have been Frank Darabont. I want like, to say there's another one. Misery, that was Stephen King, right? Yeah. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. And that it made and me I liked, fucking I liked Pet Cemetery back in the day. I mean, The Shining is obviously like sort of like the gold standard, but yeah. Stephen it. King had so many issues with The Shining when it was made I like because the, the tone deviated so much from the book. The It miniseries as well. That was good. Yeah. The Shining, I, mean, the, I think, is fucking amazing. It, I think it was good because it was so long that they didn't have to cut out a bunch. It's um, a brilliant-ass movie. I don't know how I'd feel about a Dark Tower game. I am indifferent to J.J. Abrams directing a Dark Tower movie. Man, with movie games and stuff like that, dude, 
I just wish like somebody would have the balls to not make to not try and make some kind of next gen triple A game and would just make a live arcade like shoot small but great. They tried that with the last Star Trek game. Oh really? And that didn't work. No, it's well, much. I mean, it, you know, it depends on genre and you know. Star Trek DAC. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but that Battlestar man. Galactica live uh, arcade. Son of a bitch. There, well, yeah, these are. <laughs> there's a certain sect of nerd though that, that 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 these would appeal to. I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, there could be really cool ones. I mean, not necessarily necessarily even movie for. I heard the. Uh, Everyone I know that's tried it said the Dragon Age Flash game was really cool. Hmm. Like the the thing that fills in some pre-story, it was like a super cool Flash game. So I've heard that as well. There are opportunities to make smaller things that can be really cool in their own right and link them to a bigger franchise, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, uh, I've actually heard that the Avatar iPhone game is the best Avatar game that's out there. It's an awfully low bar. Right, but uh, the other ones are bad, but I've heard the Avatar iPhone game, which is like an 8 or 10 hour game, is supposed to be really good. Right. So, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think they always need to be these AAA blowout things. Sometimes they can be, like, the coolest Star Trek game I've played in a long time was the DS one, which was just like a, basically like, everyone talks about this, the ship battles being the coolest thing in Star Trek Online. And it's like, for me, the coolest thing in this one was that it was just ship battles. Right. Like, that's like why I would want to play a Star Trek thing. I could care less about visiting planets and all that. I just Fuck your away team. Yeah, I just want to yeah. do crazy starship battles. So, But, uh, yeah, that's all the letters I'm going to read. Um, really? No more? Yeah, the, the other ones were all very, very, very lengthy relationship ones. And one was, are you excited for Bioshock 2? Which we can't really con- like talk about at this point. Um I mean, uh, I could I could do one more relationship letter if you want. Do you want to? Yeah, let's do one more. All right, one more. Oliver. I picked him just because of his name. He sounds like a Russian. Or he says, a, been a dating this orphan. girl for over a year now, and lately she started to seem way less into our relationship. It's just the little things, like not seeming enthusiastic about spending time together, replying with, I guess, and whatnot, and making comments on reasons she might not be able to go. Other odd things, like cutting down on the number of times she says she loves me. Not living together. We spend a lot of time on MSN, and even recently, despite instant messaging being rather cold and heartless to begin with, things seem more so. Issues like this might not be weird on their own, but things didn't used to be like this. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I brought it up casually on several occasions. She's responded saying that everything's fine. The one time I brought it up seriously, she said she felt bad for me thinking that, and that everything was fine. I don't know what's going on. Could this be the beginning of the end? She's mentioned that she thinks the level of reliance we have on each other is unhealthy. Could this be her overcompensating? Could there be something wrong that she doesn't want to share? Overall lack of enthusiasm is troubling and I don't know what to make of it. I'm afraid things could be sliding downhill. I have experienced a similar thing. So have I. In a long long distance relationship. (laughs) We all have. And and it was the yeah. It seems like she's laying the foundation to uh, to break up with you. It was things going downhill, but what I will say was my worrying about it and push, pressing the issue exasperated it even yeah. worse, like like exponentially. Because the more I worried about it, the more it made her seem like she didn't care about our relationship, which then really did make it happen. It was like I wish fulfillment. I in a bad I, way. see. I think that that I don't think that that's. I, I realize that you believe in your heart that that's what's true, but I, I don't think that just from the stuff you've, you've told me about the relationship I think you're telling me about, I think that that's just you projecting. 
Well, well no, this, I, I'm talking about the one actual relationship I had, like with a girl. In yeah, college. no, that's exactly. And I, yeah. I just from what you told me about that girl, that was not your fault. Right. You well, I mean, I mean, that. you know, I, well, I mean, not saying 100% I don't think it was my fault, fault either. I think, but it definitely doesn't. It, it may have accelerated. That's the, what I'm saying. It, could, it exasperated. Yeah. It made it, it way make worse, it worse, way faster. You know, because I, I kept on like rather than just like going with the flow to see how long this sh- shitty relationship would go for, I would open up the scab every once in a while and be like, "So what the fuck's up? You say there's nothing up, but there's something up." Like you know. Because, see, I've been on both sides of the fence where where I've been the one doing that, being like, hey, man, where is this going? Or where I've been on the side where, like, the girl is telling me, hey, man, where is this going? And that kind of put me off when I, I mean, was in that position. I mean, at the same time, you know, there is a point in a relationship where after a while you've been with each other, it gets over that lovey-dovey phase and, and you realize. just kind of get comfortable with each other. Yeah. You know? and I think that... Sometimes that happens at different speeds for people. This doesn't sound like that. <laughs> No, yeah, it, doesn't. it kinda does. I mean, let's not let's not cloud the cloud the issue or cloud the water for for young Oliver. And, and that um, being said though, I have seen girls that feel like when they feel like they're all of a sudden too dependent, they'll go way reverse. Like but that s- that signals like issues. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And if she's not willing to talk about it, then yeah, may I mean I'm, I'm sorry, young Oliver. We all have the red lights going off right now. We do. The so. only other thing that would make me question is like maybe she's experiencing like depression right now or like really bad and then it's really changing her behavior. I don't know. I mean He didn't say how old he was, right? Yeah, so no. um I'm just gonna say right now, if you guys if your sex lives have essentially dried up then that's then number one this relationship is over yeah and in the beginning the faster you can sort of start accepting and like kind of taking those steps the better man because it's it's a tough step to take i saw the signs in this relationship that i really wanted to keep going man and i had to be the one to be like you know what i could tell well i'm sorry oliver it's not what we wanted to tell you. Mm-mm. But I'd I think, well, no, the, the fact of the matter that he writes in a letter like that kind of tells me that he sees the writing on the wall anyways. You know, the fact that she's told him twice that everything's fine and he obviously does not buy that, you know? Mm-hmm. You I mean, know? yeah, like if she's saying over and over again that it's fine and you keep asking, then that's going to annoy her because if she won't tell you, then you asking her isn't going to convince her to tell you. But well, and you're not going to be able to convince yourself, obviously, that yeah, things are actually just, fine. So I mean, maybe it's just maybe it's just time. It's time not to the, reboot the game of life with that it, relationship. Which is way easier to say than to do, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, man, breaking up is honestly harder to do. Call her on the phone right now, Oliver. And then put the phone up to the speaker. Oliver is breaking up with you and moving on with his life. The end. Fuck. <laughs> Don't really do that. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> you just set it up so that he could. The only way for me to do that is to like make, put static over it or something. <laughs> Touch Oliver's penis. I don't know. One more, <laughs> at least one more time. At least one more time, yeah. Um, yeah, man, that sucks. Sorry. I don't know. We don't have yeah. any good advice on that. No, I mean, I think that... Well, advice saying that it's probably it. over is is perfectly sound advice. <laughs> yeah, I think you see it. Um, on that note, you've been listening to Loveline, and <laughs> we're go- and you can email us at rfm no or no at uh, at letters at eat dash sleep dash game dot com. Yes, and uh, yeah, and then you can listen to our friends' podcast, the Mobcast at bitmob dot com, the Geekbox at geekbox dot net. And you can check out uh, the Area 5's 
video show, which is now a live show. Yes, they announced and, uh, that it starts next Tuesday. Next Tuesday at is when it debuts, PM and you can see that time. at Area Five TV or Vision Three dot com slash co op. Four thirty PM Pacific time next Tuesday. Yeah. Is the premiere, and even though it's live, if you miss it, you can still watch the you show. Yeah, they'll, download it they'll put it up. It's just if you actually want to see it as it's being made, legitimately live, fuck ups and all, messy like people talking over each other and stumbling over their words. Now, no editing, you'll get to see it. You'll realize we aren't as smart as we sound, as they make us sound, or as good looking as they make us look. <laughs> so, see that I don't think, but I do think they make us sound smarter. I think I look fatter on co-op. Well, everyone looks fatter on camera. So. It's like they put that special chud filter on just for me. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Cannibalistic human underdweller. And we'll exactly. see you all. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you all next week. Goodbye, Shock to Talk. Fat chud. Fat chud. Fat chud.